Hey everyone, welcome to This is Creative AI, your podcast and workflows through the lens of tools, data, behavior change, and business metrics, what make up our Tikai framework. I'm your host, Karma Rotra. Today we have with us Akar Subset, who is a co-founder at Neol. Hey Akar, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So briefly about Neol first. Neol offers organizations a new way to access creative services. Through the Neol platform, organizations can tackle their vital challenges by working with the world's top creative leaders. I'm proud to say I'm one of the founding creative leaders at Neol. And about Akar, he leads product at Neol. From startups to scale-ups and corporate organizations, he has spent nearly 15 years in the software industry. He's interested in strategy, science, logic, art, and product design. Fun fact about Akar, you'll get great food recommendations from him uh, around Istanbul, like where you can get the best cockroach, and also where you can still experience old world Istanbul. And if you ever chat with him in person, ask him about his early learnings about business through stories around chai, around tea. So with that, Akar, if you can help us understand the use of AI in your product through the lens of the tool itself, the behavior change involved and why it makes business sense for Neol to develop this. Kern, again, thanks for having me. Uh, we've been dreaming about doing this for a while now and I'm happy that we are able to do it before the end of the year. Before maybe talking about the tool and the process, I just want to make, uh, clarify a little bit more about Neol. So on top of what you explained about Neol, I think a way to think about Neol is, you know how companies invest so much, rightly so, to their full-time people, people they work with full-time, right? Uh, we have a lot of tools and solutions to understand what kind of skills we have, how do they become teams, what is the relationship in the organization, what is the journey for people. And that was rightly so because maybe up until last few years, it was all about having giant headquarters, having all the skills in-house, and when needed, deploy them. But now, more and more we see organizations, like very large tech organizations, to smaller scale consulting and agencies. There is a lot of shift in uh, full-time work, uh, and we see that they are more and more focusing on some stronger core. And then the idea is how do you create flexibility around what we call the edge talent? People maybe who are not, you cannot justify uh, having them full-time, but at the same time, they are not that interested to be working full-time somewhere. So they are more curious about discovering other opportunities, having a portfolio of things they do. So the world is moving that direction, but the way we collaborate with non-full-time uh, people, it's basically spreadsheets. It's basically lists we maintain somewhere and then emails. So now we are, the way we are thinking about it is how do we help organizations to get into this future where it is more networked, not necessarily full-time employees. It is more talent-centered. Talent, not just in terms of what skills they have, but 
what kind of passions and interests and how do you use all that to build a more blended network. And the way, the point we start with is creative services. And uh, there are a lot of reasons that make us start from there, but the main, one of the main reasons is how creativity and AI is coming at odds today. So in one sense, with generative AI, um, and it's pretty creative, especially in areas you are not the expert of. You get so much out of it. It helps you get creative so quickly. You can, I, I usually do that. I ask GPT mostly, but sometimes Bard, to give me 50 options for something, right? It can do it in an instant and it helps me become creative. But then thinking a little bit more deeply, one of the fundamental beliefs we have is the more AI becomes so human-like, it is going to level the playing field. And then it means whatever makes us human will be even more important. And we believe one of those things is creativity. The other is expertise and experience. Maybe a combination of those two things. So that's why um, the way we... Um, Think about AI, how it comes to play is always focused on, uh, built on top of a few principles. So the first one is, we say, highlighting the human brilliance, right? Instead of trying to replace anyone, let's say that you're looking for a, a product designer. We are not trying to replace product designers. What we are trying to do is, how do we highlight product designers in the best way? And we can talk about how that happens today and how we envision it, so that they can focus on really bringing their uh, creative mind and experience to the work they are doing. Uh, the second thing is we use AI to build or help with uh, building trust as fast as possible, especially when you consider on-demand collaboration when you are not part of an organization full-time. And the complexity of challenges creative people are solving Trust building is essential. It's very, very critical. It is difficult to replace coming in together in a room and you know, drink something, make some jokes and break the ice. But at the same time, there are ways we can accelerate that process for people, especially collaborating remotely. And finally, I think what's most, not as fun or interesting as uh, the two things I mentioned, is removing a lot of frictions from the process of collaborating with someone and making everything contextual. That's super important for us too. So these are the ways we are leveraging AI. We're talking about highlighting human brilliance, uh, building trust, and then removing the pinpricks. Now, if you were to put it in the context of, let's say, the product itself, in the product experience, how does that actually show up? Imagine your experience on LinkedIn, right? Let's say that you're looking for someone to do the next podcast with, and you want this person to be located in somewhere specific. You want that person to have fintech experience. You want that person to, to speak, I don't know, for some reason, Japanese maybe. And then what you need to do, imagine that experience. I mean, even thinking now, I'm overwhelmed. You have to first find all the filters, like which filters might approximate to what you might want. Then you know in your mind, not everything is a must. 
these are the things you want to play with. But then when you put all these filters together, they work and, 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 and you end up with zero results. Then you don't know which one to remove. Then let's say you came up to five, 10 people, uh, a list of five, 10 people. Then you need to make sense of all the profile information they have in LinkedIn. It's such a useful thing to have, but at the same time, you need to read their bio. You need to check their past experiences. Maybe someone has recommendations. They have a case study and all that. I'm already overwhelmed describing this, and it goes on and on and on, right? What we are doing today is our creative leaders and creative talent in at large, when they create their profiles, of course, we collect uh, some basics, and it's in the form but then we also ask them to share some links that they are keeping up to date. Well, and we have a live understanding of what you are working on, what you're doing, what your experience is. And then imagine the same scenario on Neo, which is you come and you just have a conversation with our AI and you say, okay, I'm looking for someone who speaks Japanese as fintech experience and I want to do a podcast on AI. Someone who maybe is experienced in giving talks, right? You just type this all. And what our AI does is instead of you trying to make sense of all that information, it distills all that and tells you, here are a few people. Some of them are really hitting the mark on all criteria maybe. And some of them, well, they're not, they don't speak Japanese, but they, they work in uh, the Asian region. So it is just that uh, you have something, you have, we call it challenges. You have a challenge, you're trying to figure out who is a fit. We just remove all the steps I mentioned. It's just typing your thing and getting an answer specific to your context, specific to your challenge. It's not a list of skills, geography, etc. It is a description of you should talk to Kern because he did this, he's been there. And he's interested in this, he's passionate about that. To build on the context bit, for example, now let's say from the time a creative reader creates a profile, three months have passed and they've done a bunch of different projects. Is the AI also real-time pulling information? Uh, you know, because you have so many different creative readers on the platform also, right? And, and I would imagine this word bias comes out where data sets are concerned, right? And you have recency bias also, right? And that's also a thing that ends up happening. So how does the AI work in a way where it's more real time, it's pulling information, you know, as you add more creative readers, uh, clients on the other side get the benefit of going through that much more talent, but it's also more like a uniform scraping or looking through all the talent that's available. How, how does that work? This is the holy grail of challenges for any kind of uh, network or marketplace, I would say. I, I And I think it's not just about technology, also behavioral design, something we are trying to address in different ways. So first of all, to your question, what we do is essentially we ask you to share a few links that you keep up to date and share that information. And then we don't need to update your visible profile. It's, we think of it almost as a showcase, right? You want to be careful about it. We don't touch that. That's your that's your font store. What we do is we create what we call the meta profile for you. So everything you share, it goes into your meta profile. When someone uses AI to scan the network, AI considers all that. 
and we keep it up to date. And the bias, I feel like it is about, of course, what they are doing. I think the solution lies even earlier than that. How do we curate our community? How do we, what are our guidelines to bring people in, in a way that it doesn't create bias? So this is all embedded in our curation process rather than trying to fix AI. We are not building the fundamental models there. And also we are collecting data and comparing it with what is the composition of our network versus how do they show up in the results? It's in the early phases, so we are still observing, but you can imagine if there's a discrepancy, let's say that there has been a lot of service design queries on our platform and we know the distribution in any uh, kind of, let's say, gender versus what is the gender distribution in AI recommendations. And using that data, uh, I think there is a chance for us to adjust it, but it, it requires a lot more interaction, which we don't have just yet. To build on what you just said, inherently that will just get better and more accurate and give better results, the more data it's sort of dealing with. So in some ways, to answer my own question in a different way, it's actually not a bad thing if there is, you know, I've created a profile three months ago and I've done a bunch of things because what I've done inherently is I'm also creating more data that the AI can process and do that. And also to the viewers in the interest of full transparency and bias, this is not a sponsored podcast. I just want to say, because I just realized that I'm, I'm on both sides of the fence that I'm doing this, but it's, it's not a sponsored podcast. My intent is very much to highlight interesting platforms, interesting individuals who are doing interesting things with AI. And I definitely feel you know, is doing something along those lines. And and maybe if you were to take a step ahead, we've talked a little bit about how you've thought of the human behavior, how you've looked to address that for the different stakeholders, and then take that into a product experience. And obviously, making that accurate and making that satisfactory and making that a delightful experience is an ongoing experience, right, for any product company, right? Or in this case, product at the heart of community. What is something that you can maybe share or talk about or things that you're looking to explore in terms of leveraging uh, AI as a tech in your roadmap going forward? As I said at the beginning, the principles really guide us. We we find a lot of guidance in the principles. So one thing is in terms of building trust, what we are trying to do is now talk to our community and our customers to figure out what are those things that you cannot put in filters that help you build trust with. It's not in interaction, but still, what kind of information would be helpful to figure out, okay, I, I could trust this person. Not as a person, but regarding something, like something, you're going to work on something, so you first want to figure that out. The next thing coming is, as I said, one of the other principles is remove as many small frictions as possible. So one example is, let's say that you found a few people you want to reach out and invite to your podcast. How do you even get them interested in it, right? You need to write such a thoughtful message that will be concise enough so that they don't spend too much time on it, but at the same time, interesting enough, has enough context and exciting for them. So one of the next things you're building is this interaction when it comes to communicating. Since we understand our creative leaders' passions, interests, areas, the things they want to change in the world or things they're passionate about. For instance, for me, it's 
sustainable cities. It's it's a very interesting topic I want to learn about, not that I'm an expert, but city design or urban planning has always uh, inspired me. So if someone mentions that, well, we're doing something on cities and urban planning, I would be all ears. I would love to hear that. I would be interested in just talking to them. I wouldn't be uh, questioning too much about right. So it is, but then it's very difficult again for you to figure that out looking at profiles. So what we do is help you contextualize your messages in a way that excites the community best. It's very important. In my past, I also did freelancing consulting. It is difficult to translate all that. So that's why people spend a lot of time building relationships, understanding who the other person is, and then it becomes handy when you want to communicate. And on the flip side, so you are visiting this person's profile, right? This person, if it was in person, they would be able to contextualize their profile. So they wouldn't talk about maybe their experience in marketplaces, but they would talk about fintech and they would go in more detail. So what we can do next is contextualize their profiles for the people who are observing it. And I think one last thing I want to add on top of this is we are very big on team building. We believe that the next evolution for independent people is transitioning from being independent, but not alone, as we call it. So how do we help you leverage your experience, network expertise? We believe that it comes down to your ability to team up with people. And imagine all this for teaming up with people. How do you figure out who is complementary to your skills for a given challenge, for a given project, for a given opportunity? So a few different things to look forward to, uh, more things to come. And so now we've covered a little bit of the product experience. We've talked about some of the behavioral challenges. If you were talking primarily to, let's say, clients, actually client and as a creative leader, right? So if that closes out the trifecta of tools, behavior change, and business benefits, what are the business benefits of using a platform like this? Because you have a different, many different moving parts. And from the sounds of it, you are looking at incrementally adding an AI mini product or mini layer at each stage of the process. I imagine, you know, fast forwarding 18 months, you might end up having like a product, an AI product suite of some sort. But if you talk about the, the business benefits uh, a little bit. Sure. Um, I think at the heart of it, it's, it's the community, it's the network we bring together. Uh, it, at the heart of it, that's the main benefit. So when uh, we look at Neol, we always start from there and we build around it. But in terms of AI, it's a million things you do that creates the benefit. So it's not just one thing we do with AI that will unlock, uh, but so many small things we need to get better. And I gave some examples, but our logic is to spread it across the uh, client customer experience. And honestly, the examples I gave are from both sides. So imagine instead of you trying to do a podcast, now you are working with an organization and you are looking to figure out what should an MVP look like. 
you are tasked with figuring out, okay, you're working for this bank and they are looking to build something for Gen Z. They realize that their current brand and their current interface and solutions, it, it's not fit for Gen Z. So, but then uh, as with most projects, talking to customers, we see a lot of de-risking appetite, which is something I really like. Actually, in the past, uh, I always uh, advise my clients to work that way instead of trying to figure out the larger strategy, 10 years, whatever it might be. Let's start with something to figure out what is the landscape we should focus on first. And when it comes to those kind of work that requires more expertise, faster mobilization, and then prototyping, that is very useful instead of trying to go to a, maybe a larger agency kind of organization that only can do certain type of work. Like we do product discovery and it takes two months. We have this type of a team to mobilize. We need your stakeholders to engage with. There is a time and place for that kind of work. I think it's, a, it's, it's valuable. But more and more, before doing that, you want to figure out is it even worth doing that? So then you need a lot of speed and agility. And again, the biggest barrier is, is in similar things, making sense of all that data people have, uh, their profiles, are they fit for it? Building enough trust so that you can risk something with someone you actually don't know, right? These people. And I think th this also brings us to another pain point, which is, Something we are uh, working on uh, at the moment, in, uh, we are discovering more and more, is that getting to know those people, building trust. So what we want to help, as I said in the beginning, is to help organizations to become more network and AI enhanced because that's the future we are going. People are becoming more and more independent. Organizations are focusing on their core more and more. So that flexibility shouldn't come at the expense of losing relationships. So what we are doing is imagine everyone you work with, every non-full-time person you collaborated with, you get to see what they are working on currently and their profiles are live and up to date and you are able to navigate what they are doing and they are part of your, what you call your hub. Right, you build your own ecosystem in Neo, and you can easily work with them. Uh, but then, if they are not available, we are able to offer you alternatives, people who have similar experiences and similar qualities you might work with. So, what we want to do next is um, to go from ad hoc relationships to longer term, lasting relationships. Amazing. And in this very decentralized, empowering way of working for the talent, creative leader, and potentially for the clients and for Neol and being facilitator for making this happen. Amazing. So I think we've got a, a really good handle on what Neol is about and the product experience. And now, uh, Akar, we come to the drum roll, the rapid fire round of uh, questions. I've got only about four or five questions. We'll go through them and uh, putting you on the hotspot. So... First, what are two key learnings that you have around actionable AI, right? I mean, because 
in the last one year, we've had this Gen AI moment and you've been building through this. One key learning is that old habits, they are not going away that quickly, even if you feel like you over-communicate. So one mistake we made was we are allowing our users to tag their projects with different tags like business design. It can be domain or industry. And we made a mistake of not limiting it properly. So we observe the behavior to add a lot of tags so that they can show up. In. But again, like thinking about generative AI or uh, this human level intelligence almost, just as someone looking at your profile wouldn't find it believable that all these tags are just relevant to you. So that's one learning. I think the other one is it's so different to build AI products compared to our past experiences because it brings together all the usual steps of discovery, design, requirement, prototyping, and making it. You just sit down, you work on the probes, and you see the result, then you productize it. It's, it's, a, it's a very prototype-driven way of working, actually. Okay, I treat and I treat quickly, fail quickly, learn move on. What's an interesting observation about creatives and their attitude towards AI? They are very good at breaking it, which is <laughs> super useful. I must say it's amazingly useful, right? Then we know how when to... When creative ways of breaking it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I, I subscribe to the idea of design is finding fitness. So you find places that it doesn't fit. So breaking it is super useful. Amazing. What's a book, video, podcast you'd recommend about understanding AI? It is such a fast-paced phenomenon. I think in this case, it makes sense to focus on the fundamentals so that whatever comes your way, whatever new happens, you know the, let's say the boundaries of where it might go. Of course, it's being challenged too, but it, at least it's slower. So in that sense, what I found the most useful uh, Stephen Wolfram's book, it's a huge blog post, actually. You don't have to buy the book. Uh, I think it's called What Chat GPT is Doing and Why It Works. It is an amazing book. It's very easy to read, just 100 pages and very accessible. And I feel like it gave me the perspective I couldn't find in anywhere else. And just a hint, computational AI versus generative AI and how they come together, it feels like a new frontier for me. Uh, and you will find what that means in the book. Fundamentals never go out of style. What is something you're hopeful about going into 2024? Uh, that's a difficult one for me, uh, given everything happening in the world, really. But I think maybe hitting rock bottom faster than... It might take on a few, hopefully, small-scale problems might help us wake up and act faster. And finally, where can people get in touch with you? Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. Well, actually, I only use LinkedIn, yeah. You can find me on LinkedIn. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Akar, for this uh, wide-ranging chat about the creative community, challenges that we sort of face, how we leveraging AI, attitudes around AI, and maybe a couple of uh, things to think about going into 2024. Thank you for your time. Thank you for being here. Uh, this is Creative AI. Uh, follow us for more interesting conversations around 
breaking down uh, products, experiences, innovations from the lens of tools, data, behavior change, and business. Thank you, Akar, for being here. Thank you for having me, Karen. I thoroughly enjoyed this. Amazing. 